You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of Paint the Town Podcast, episode 102. Welcome back, Teach. How's it going, bro? Thanks, bro. Hell yeah, man. man. It's good to be back. Hey, Richard, how you doing, brother? Hey, Teach, how are you, man? Good to see you, man. Oh, man. <laughs> for, the, uh, for the listening audience, we're actually not all in the studio yet. We're still um, doing the Zoom calls, guys. Uh, but, you know, we're happy to uh, have our Richard, our producer, join us for our show because so, he's going to be able to bring a uh, you know, just some um, extra audio content and, uh, you know, and Richard himself, he's a pretty interesting guy, man. You know, he told some good stories about uh, buying art from Eddie last week. So, uh, you know, I was like, dude, you just join the show every week, man. You know what I mean? But, uh, hey, Teach, where were you last week, man? I mean, I knew you were gone, so I, I can't wait to hear about your trip, bro. Dude, uh, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Um, it, uh, it was awesome. I went up to Garberville, which is up in uh, Northern California, Southern Humboldt. And um, I went up there to deliver a piece that I had sold. Um, it was actually a museum piece, the piece from the Oceanside Museum of Art that I did for that show, uh, Sidewalk Art Activism. And, oh yeah, and, with Jim, uh, yeah. Professor Jim. Yeah, and so uh, I, I drove this piece up there because it was on a big metal street sign. And, you know, if you're gonna ship that, uh, cost is gonna you know dig into you know the sale so plus these guys this guy is actually a, a friend of mine and uh the kind that's actually an awesome client you know what i mean sometimes nice. you got friends who are like hey man give me the discount man give me the what can you do for me and you're like mm. but uh you know this <laughs> uh, this went very well and this is actually a little bit of advice to those of you going into this type of a situation when you made a sale to a friend you know when you're an artist if you're a professional artist um Stand your ground, man. Have your price, have it ready to go as soon as they ask. Because actually, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Hal Oppenheimer, used to be one of the top investment bankers in the, in the world. He gave me a little bit of advice. Um, one, don't, well, don't go into a situation you can't just walk right out of. And number two, always have your price ready to throw out the second they ask for it. Because he knew he'd do a setup. He'd be like, you know what? Um, talking about this, that, and the other, your family houses. Hey, how much, how much, how much, what's the price? And then if they hesitated for one second, he knew that he could get them down at least 30% or more. Dang, that's some good advice right <laughs> there, man. So, um, you know, this was a little bit kind of the same because uh, my friend Utah uh, really hooked me up, dude. We, we went camping uh, out on the Lost Coast which is basically straight out from where Garberville is. Um, mm. There's Shelter Cove, and then down south of that is just, dude, you had to have a four-wheel drive to get on the road to go to where we were going. Oh, great, and man. we just hiked from there like a, a mile or so out into the wilderness and walked down to the, to the shore and everything. We went back up and set up our, our uh, tents, uh, partied like kings, um, ate awesome. Didn't sleep so well because I didn't take a pad <laughs> to put in my <laughs> in my uh, uh, tent. Um, 
So you I, slept I, on the bare floor? On... Oh, man. You, <laughs> yeah. forgot your, you forgot your air pillow, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, when you're younger, it doesn't make a difference, but man, when you're 51, holy oh, yeah. shit, that was, and that was, it was a little bit uphill, so, like, every time I turned, I'd slide down to the, the side of the, of the tent, um, but oh my god, it was so beautiful, dude, it was so beautiful that that just, like, didn't even matter, you know what I mean, um, and uh, so, we had an amazing weekend of camping, um, and so we come back, and, uh, you know, he, he, almost catches me off guard because he's like, Hey, let, let's talk about the, you know, the price. And I was like, Oh, oh okay. But I was like, boom, here it is. Yeah. He was, he was trying to soften you up there. I mean. Yeah. And you know what? I don't blame him. I don't blame him. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if you can get a better price, then, you know, I, good for you. But, um, you know, luckily I had it, had the price in my mind, had to ready and put it out there. And, nice. um, you know, it's, it's, it was easy to reason with saying, you know, it came out of the Oceanside Museum of Art. <laughs> it's a museum piece oh yeah so sure. yeah, um, yeah absolutely that that really helped to uh you know make the uh, the transaction but um so uh you know i was so happy with uh, the transaction and so was he that uh i and here's the thing here's another bit of information if you're doing a delivery like this always take a couple of extra pieces of artwork <laughs> all right because <laughs> good advice what man. i ended up doing was i did a, a stencil of an indian um that i did it was actually a, a collaboration with leif garrett um and uh put that up in his house and then a uh, uh stencil of a peregrine falcon and it just fit this one spot just awesome so i put those up gave some extra cash for that and um man i gotta tell you what when i was coming back i'm going down i-5 and i see the big plume of smoke you know, you first you see the cloud, you're like, oh, that's yeah. not a cloud. That's like, oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a smoke cloud, man. Yeah, those air, that, oh. you were basically camping when those big fires are going on right now, right? Oh, dude. Yeah, it's weird, man. Every time I leave town, something crazy goes on here. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> holy right. cow, man. I come back and basically from when it was blue skies. And then once I got on the other side of that big old cloud of smoke, it was just waste i was driving through hell coming back to la jeez man yeah no i've seen those pictures man but you know you know anyways man we missed you man definitely man like uh of course richard was like to say i missed you guys too but i'll be honest with you bro it's kind of nice out there you know like well you definitely if it ever gets to be too much really for anybody man just oh man if they could just go out and hang out like that and just oh yeah about being hey, peaceful, when, I, when I've gone camping, I sleep like a baby out there, man, because the air is so fresh. Yeah. Oh, Basically, man. You crash yeah. out, and like the air is just like the best air up there, man. Yeah, That's true, absolutely. man. Absolutely. But you, um, know, but, oh, you yeah. definitely you probably missed... took a pad, didn't you? Right? You had a nice pad, a <laughs> uh, comfortable pad to sleep on. Because that's it, that's one other thing I'd like to tell you guys. If you're going to go camping, those of you oh, yeah. that have never been camping before yeah. or whatever, um, you know, <laughs> a pad, man. A, a nice, yeah. soft pad. Or take like an air mattress, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like an air, exactly. Yeah. No, man, you got, I, I can't go. I'm not a happy camper, man. You know, I've been <laughs> to like Burning Man. I've been to like all these festivals man like like dude at the end of the day i, I need a glamp dude you know, you know like i need an air mattress i need a full-on like fucking you know a power source and everything like that call me a diva man dude, you're like my wife you know what i mean <laughs> i was talking about going up here and everything and she was like yeah you're you're going by yourself right <laughs> like yeah so <laughs> right. i was talking about being out there and then 
you know, climbing in the, in the tent and everything, going to sleep and being able to hear all the, you know, sounds and everything. She's like, and the bugs, what, there was bugs everywhere, right? And actually, you know what? This is, that area is one of the best places to go camping because there was like no bugs. There were <laughs> well, no bugs at all, man. Nice, so, man. Well, well, dude, if, if you, uh, uh, for, for the people who missed last week, just like teach, man, uh, we had a really awesome conversation with Ruben Rojas. That guy's just so positive. You know what I mean? Oh, Richard. I know. That's why I, yeah. I um, you know, I, I've known him for a while and um, uh, I was really, really happy to have him on. I was really bummed to, uh, to miss him, you know, but um, yeah. well, you he know, gave- sorry, man. I had, I had no, no worries. Of course. That led to more stuff, so. Of yeah, course, you know what? I think I think I saw some of his work in uh, Laguna Beach. I think uh, um, oh, yeah, dude, I snapped a picture is. of something, and and then when we interviewed him, I was looking back at my Instagram feed, and it I, looks like I saw a piece that was very similar to what he does. I think it might have been him. You know, this was I'm talking a few years back. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise oh, yeah. me. Yeah. Would not surprise yeah. me. That, that guy's got is one of the hardest te- workers out there. Yeah. He's got the best attitude. Uh, I met him a while back. You know, and I've had an opportunity to, to, to do some work with them. It's just that, um, you know, when you're raising twins and the wife's uh, trying to make a movie and you're flipping houses, uh, <laughs> really hard to, to uh, confirm on things, you know, and, and commit to something. So it's, um, yeah, definitely. but, you know, I do look forward to, to working with them eventually because, um, you know, I, I with our restructuring and everything, there's going to be some time opening up to work on some projects and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, us being able to do more than just these damn Zoom uh, meetings. You know yeah, what I mean? definitely. Like I look forward to being able to look into some people's eyes and, and, and get some good right, good footage yeah. and some good inter, you know, interviews that way. Because, dude, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for the Zoom and everything, but, oh, man, I miss being in person. Was that yeah. the doorbell? Yeah, that was doorbell, man. I mean, um, uh, I, see, I see John in the waiting room, basically. Um, I want to introduce our guest today before he comes in, actually. Uh, he's, he's, you know, the creator of a group called 6AM Group, actually. And 6AM Group is a, I guess it's a promotion company for underground raves, basically. It's a, and um, we've been talking about how much uh, interconnected the underground world of street art is and uh, the underground rave culture is, man. And, you know, uh, I was talking to him, and what do you know? He's also a designer, and he has a brand of streetwear as well, too. So I was like, you know, I was like, you know what, this is just, I was like, this is just the perfect time for you to come on since we're doing Zoom conferences, man. I was like, instead of doing our uh, kind of like our regular meeting, I would love to kind of talk to him in detail a little bit more, you know what I mean? Um, So uh, I basically, I'm going to go ahead and let him in, dude. All right. (laughs) Put on your red shoes and dance the Hey, John, welcome. How's hey, it going? How good. Hey, welcome. Hey, good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Let me introduce, welcome to the uh, show, man. Let me introduce a couple people. Uh, my co-host uh, wearing the hat right there is a legendary street artist named Teacher, basically. And uh, Richard right. is our legendary producer uh, <laughs> sitting right Brian. there in the blue, blue shirt right hey, there. Hey, how's it going, how yeah, and then, uh, yeah, just welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. I kind of gave a quick introduction of, uh, of yourself and basically what 6AM Group is. I said that it's kind of like a, a rave promotion group, man. I mean, I know it's much more than that, so I would love to kind right. of like get your, um, 
uh, introduction first about uh, uh, you know your company before we go into who you are. First of all, where are you? Uh, where are you joining us from today? Uh, joining inside a warehouse, actually. So it's like our warehouse studio that I'm in. Um, yeah. Just so we used to do parties here. What but city? Now, what city are you in? Uh, it's in it's in downtown. Nice. LA. Hell yeah. Yeah. So I'm here. Uh, the right in the thick of it. Uh, we miss you know hanging out here. So the owner was cool in terms of letting us have it. You know, uh, hang out here and set up a little studio. So. Yeah, here I am. This is uh, a, a perfect spot for us to kind of just talk and chat and don't have much interruption. Hell yeah, well. man. Well, thank yeah, you for really. joining us today, man. I mean, uh, personally, for 6 a.m. group, man, I've been to your guys' parties, man. And, uh, you know, I, to me, <clears throat> you guys represent the, the techno crowd pretty well. Would you, would you say, you know, you guys' uh, crowd, crowd is usually like underground techno parties? And for me... Yeah, uh, for sure. For me, what, this is how I fell in love with the culture, man. Like, we've had uh, Theo, who's a legendary uh, Los Angeles underground rave DJ on the show before, man. And uh, we, we were kind of both agreeing that, you know, one day I was just invited to a party that you had to um, <clears throat> buy the ticket, right? And then you went to this location, right. basically, right? And the location, they basically took you to another location, and that was called, like, a map point party back in the day, right? right, right and then right, um, right. once I went to one of those parties, man, I opened... It was in a sketchy ass area. I opened the door to the warehouse after let me in, and my fucking right. life changed forever, man. You, you know, I was like, "How right. the fuck, uh, you know, uh, do I get involved in this, man? Like, how do I be that DJ up there? Holy shit! Basically, this is an environment that everybody's just partying. It's like that plur mentality, peace, love, unity, respect. You know, that underground vibe, man. And uh, on this show, right. normally it's a street art show, so. I mean, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to invite other underground kind of like uh, cultures, basically. And that's why I wanted to invite you today, man. Right. Right on. Right on. Awesome. No, I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's been a journey on its own. I moved to um, L.A. in 2008 and kind of just, you know, fell in love with the whole rave scene. And, you know, sort of the similar experience that you had, you know, it's always a moment in time or an experience that you go through and all, and all of a sudden you find your i guess newborn passion so you know prior to this i was um really really involved in playing basketball my whole life and uh when the realization came that i wasn't going to go to the nba you know, <laughs> around my junior senior year um you know that kind of um led me away from this passion that i've always had and to kind of find it again um that was kind of a pretty awesome moment and yeah it's been a it's been a ride to kind of just see the progression of this scene here in LA and what always excited me most about the city um, back when I was living in San Diego was just how, um, how big the scene was and how much, um, you know, the potential there was. And yeah, it's been 13, well, 14 years since I moved here, but 12 years since I started 6am. And, you know, it's interesting how um, everyone kind of has their own perception on what the brand is because truth be told, I mean, I started 6am when I was 22. I'm 36 now, um, so you know, yeah. God, so it's been man, some man, time, you guys, man. I swear <laughs> to God. I always say on this show, man, age is no raisin, bro. bro. You know, I mean, right? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I cussed at him, but that's a compliment. <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. So, um, you know, for me back then, it really was about the raisin parties and the after hours, and sure, 
we do do events in that nature, but you know, it's interesting how the brand grows with you as a person as well. So 6am kind of always um, meant balance um, in a way that if you look at a traditional clock, 6am kind of strikes in that, right? Um, wow. Where a lot of people say, hey, you guys are staying up late. I like to sometimes say yes, but at the same time, you can look at it and say that we're waking up early, right? So it kind of has that balance, that flow, that grind and work mode into it. So our philosophy within the company, you know, it's, it, it's, it's that work to play mentality where um, raves and partying, you know, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a right. It's a privilege. No matter what the BC boy says, you know, I think partying is a privilege. You have to earn it or else it just becomes this dark hole that you mm. hear so many. Hey, now, now what time do these raves start usually like in, I'll let you guys um, <laughs> they start at 11. Usually, yeah, yeah our party starts at 11, <laughs> and they go till 6, 7 in the morning sometimes, but mostly till 6 um, is when we end right. it, let, so yeah. Yeah, to wow. let you guys know, this is my normal schedule when um when I usually have a night of going out to a 6 a.m. party or something like that, man. I usually, you know, get done right. with my work on a Friday night or something like that. I have dinner. I probably take a nap, and then I set my alarm clock to around actually <clears throat> 2 or 3 fucking a.m., and then I'm like, oh, shit, all right, I got my disco oh, nap my in, God. and then it's time to fucking go and party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, I mean, you're on the same, uh, you're on the same schedule as the DJs. I mean, we'll go pick them up at like around 1.30 o'clock, and they're jet lagged. I mean, they're flying in from Europe, you know, and they were in New York the night before, and they probably partied over there. So when you pick them up, they're just completely all twisted and bent. So, you know, you're living that, you know, and all they want to do is nap, you know, have some food and nap up until they have to go to the show. So you guys are having parallel schedules in that sense. Oh man, I got this little uh, I got this little wow. thing I got from a Biza called disco napping, man. I hang yeah, this on the fucking door whenever I uh, w whenever I go out and DJ, man. Like, don't fucking bother me, basically, <laughs> basically, you, you know. But um, but yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah, I I basically wanted to bring John because like on this show we always talk about how the underground cultures are interconnected, man. And um, the the cool thing is like for me. This is like when I discovered the rave culture, it was the same feeling as when I discovered the, <clears throat> the street art culture, man. It's like, hey, if you're in the know, there's a whole other world there for you to open up right. with characters and heroes and villains and, and there's storylines, man, and history of promoters and DJ beefs, you know? And it's like, how much do you want to get into that? And it's like, to me, it was kind of just an escape from this mundane world of cubicles or <clears throat> office uh, phone, uh, conference calls, you know, uh, back in the day too. So I always want to bring in um, kind of my side of the story too, because I feel like, you know, there's so many people uh, either listening to this as an artist and then they're kind of just like, hey man, I'm interested in street art. I, I want to kind of expand that world because that world definitely involves many, many pillars. I mean, we're talking about Beastie right. Boys early, right? Um, underground culture, even for hip hop, it's involving you know, graffiti, it's involving DJing, it's involving MCing, it's mm -hmm. involving street dancing, b-boying, you know? So these are right. all different different pillars of underground culture, man. So, uh, um, Ja, I, I mean, let's kind of get back into I your back. I got a question for you, yeah. Ja. Are you, uh, have you ever done any graffiti? Uh, not personally myself, but I know people that do. <laughs> right. And you ever picked up a can and just did like a little something on the street? No, I can't say I have, you know, I mean, you know, and I think part of the Have you reason, ever had the desire to? Um, you know what? So here's the thing. You know, 
I've actually grew up with a lot of uh, the graffiti, you know, um, growing up in Guam, um, skateboarding culture was very prevalent as well. And so here's the thing. Back then when, um, I guess, spray painting, right? I mean, it's what it's called, street art. But back then it was called spray painting. It was not, you know, looked upon as something uh, good, more or less in that sense. I mean, it just wasn't. And I think being raised and, and, and growing up in that era where they're, you know, had that whole stigma into it. And I was, you know, playing basketball at the time. So it was kind of just this whole parallel world that never really, you know, I guess, in a sense, crossed my path. However, um, ever since I got into the underground culture with, you know, house and techno, you look at all the warehouses that were doing parties, there's, you know, art surrounding it as well. And more or less, there are always a lot of artists that comes to our, you know, our events afterwards. And even last year, we, uh, we collabed with a local LA artist, Janowski. Okay. Um, He goes by. Richard, can um, you bring that up, dude? Janowski? Janowski, G. G E N O S K I. All right, let me see. I'm in, okay, sounds familiar. To me, yeah, so he does like these uh, art murals around town, and then also with Atlas as well. Nice. Hey, spell that for me one more time. G E N O S K I. Nice. I brought up his Instagram. Yeah. Cool, man. I mean, so how did you how how did you get into yeah, this whole culture, man? I'm yeah. Go ahead. Richard, are you able to, are you Yeah, able to, I think, uh, yeah, I, I got his Instagram. Let me see if I can share my screen here. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a look at his art, man. Give All him right, a shout out, basically. See, uh, okay, stand by. Let me get back to this. All right, see if you guys could see this. Now, let's see. Let's see, host. Let's see. All right, you're going to have to give me permission. <laughs> All right, I'll, oh, wow. I'll bring it up. Okay. I'll bring it up. Sorry, guys. Yes. Here, um, here, how about this? Uh, there's, here, you know, James I'll send this link over. I got it. There we go. That's the one. Yeah. Check oh, out this. Wow. Check out this graph work, man. Damn, this is like a. Oh man! <laughs> wow, is that uh, is that uh, like paint, like spray paint, or how, yeah. what's he doing? Yeah, no, that's spray yeah, paint. That spray that's paint. just some wow. serious can control right wow. there. You check out man. this rose right here, man. This is crazy, man. I wonder if he uses an airbrush at all. Yeah. So um, I'll show you. Uh, that's beautiful. Hell yeah. I should try to get him on the show too. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting was I met him uh, through his other buddy, which um, is also an artist. So his dad owned a warehouse that we were renting. Ah. And we had this event at Grand Park here. I'm, I'm about to drop the link on the chat here. Um, this was the collab art that we okay. did um, at Grand Park last year. And I didn't realize how big they were until he was like, hey, I have a buddy, you know, who can do it for you guys. And we, you know, was was busy organizing other parts of the event. And, you know, he showed up and we pulled up his profile. And that's what we have. Oh, his account's private. <laughs> uh, you, private? Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> we, we, got a bunch of, we got a bunch of buddies that are, uh, you know, even Amy Smith, Horn Doggy Dog, man, a lot of artists basically that are, that are friends with him, man. But no, what, what I just kind of wanted to bring up, man, it's just that, you know, in the when you go when you talk about street art and the underground culture, man, it's like you just ask a friend of a friend, and then he knows a rave promoter, man. I mean, he knows basically like a, a DJ or a rave promoter, man. And 
Josh said something interesting earlier. <clears throat> he said a lot of times after the uh, the guys who go out bombing, they got to find a place to go. So, I mean, they end up going to these underground parties, you, you know what I mean? So right. I always I always found that to be- Well, that's where they start. That's where they start and they get hyped and they get inspired and then they go out and they do their hit and then they want to come back and party some more. So this is <laughs> like the perfect thing for them. I got a question for you, uh, Jai. Um, you said you were from Guam? Yeah. Okay, so when did, uh, when did you uh, leave Guam? Uh, in 2002, so after high school, pretty you, much. Uh, yeah. Are you Chinese by so any went, chance? Because your last name's Wang. Are you Chinese? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Chinese by, uh, yeah, okay. by cool. blood cool. and origin. Yeah, yeah, Taiwanese. Cool. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah. then from, from, wait, from Guam, you came to uh, San Diego? No, uh, I, I actually went to school in Virginia for five years. Like, what? In like the middle, right, so it was like super random. Island kid goes to school in countryside of Virginia because we had like an uncle family friend that was there. And that what was town? Oh, do you remember what town in Virginia? Yeah, uh, it was Radford, Virginia is, is the college I went to. Yeah. Roanoke wow. City. So, yeah. That must have been <laughs> so a I did point, that for five years. And um, it was one summer that I came out to San Diego and visited my brother. That's when I over the whole race scene and then this is where i should be not virginia now were you <laughs> dj like uh at you know high school parties and things like that or how do you how do you like get into it so um before you met your brother not so much you in high school, into, it, I still... into it meeting your brother what was that when you when you uh when you got together with your brother is that when you got into it or um, did you, yeah you in it before or? in 2006 it was my uh it, it was that summer um, you know, I went to go visit my brother in San Diego, and that's when I actually linked up with friends from back home in Guam. So, funny story, San Diego is like a Guam hub. Like, mm, there's a lot that. of Guam people that live in San Diego. It's, uh, you know, that's just like a, a thing. And so, naturally, I was there, you know, I had friends whom I, whom I haven't seen like four or five years were out there, and they were already in the scene. And they're like, hey, we're doing a little house party tonight. I think you'll like it. You know, have you ever, um, you know, Little did they know. Right. <laughs> and what, what were you doing? Were you doing records like LPs or in the CDs at the this time? Is two, this is 2006, yeah. right? You said so. I think. Yeah. So I was just partying then. I mean, I wasn't um, into it as a DJ until maybe 2007. Mm. So mm. at that time, it was CDs. CDs was like the oh, main okay. thing. Yeah. I mean, I started with vinyls, but you know, to quickly move onto CDs because that was like the real. Um, where everyone was actually, you know, having. That's what the professionals are using, basically, at that uh, time. Yeah, the industry the standard. Time, yeah. Right. So, burning CDs and lugging CDs. I mean, that just sounds so. Uh, <laughs> big difference. And and some of those devices where you could like actually scratch CDs, right? I mean, wasn't. Yeah, that totally. Number? Totally. There's. You can scratch CDs, yeah. I mean, it had the jog wheels, so. Yeah, yeah. Ja, ja, are you, um, so basically you started DJing in 2007. Um, did you start automatically going to house or were you, did you experiment in different genres as well too? Uh, it was or, more into trance, I would say. Hey, trance, so man. I started, right, let's, right. Let's talk right. about that for a second, man, because. because hold, on, hold on a second, wait, wait, wait. Before we get to that, I just have one, one more question sure. about Virginia. Um, just because it's so uh, random. Yeah, no, for sure, ask away. <laughs> what, what uh, what's like the biggest influence you got from being in, in Virginia for five years, you think? What was the biggest influence? Um, I think growing a thicker skin, right? Because um, you have to think, 
the university that I went to was 98% Caucasian, 2% others. That means That's what I was going to point out, but I was just wanting you to. <laughs> right. No. So, you know, um, dealing with, um, I, I wouldn't want to say ignorant questions. They didn't know better. And I don't think that they were really racist in a sense, but they were just curious. So <laughs> you're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, seeing a Confederate flag was a normal, you know, just a normal day on campus, you know, I mean, yeah. so yeah, you know, I, I definitely went through that and, and saw that side of things. And, you know, even now more so, um, you know, seeing sort of the whole political divide that you had with your buddies back then in college, you know, you weren't so political or things weren't so crazy. But then now, years later, shit's all crazy right now. And isn't it? And then you're like, wait. Oh, yeah. My buddy in college is, is like, you know, supporting who, you know, so. <laughs> hey, hey, fa Facebook brought out a lot of those, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally, man. So, so, John, man, first of all, I got to I gotta tell you, my, uh, my family's from Taiwan, too, so we have that in common, too, man. Like, I saw that your last name's Wang. I was just like, dude, man, this guy's Chinese for sure, even though I knew you're from Guam, basically, you know. <clears throat> and then, right, um, right. and then. And then, uh, so yeah, I, I, I feel like now I already feel closer to you just because I understand your family background probably a little bit more, you know what I mean? Do you, do you right, see right, Mandarin right. at home? Just curious. Yeah, 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 we do, we do. Okay, awesome, man. No, what's cool, man, is because I, I feel like, uh, I always feel, whenever, it's like our producer Richard's from Cuba, you know, and then like, you know, well, my parents, but well, yeah, his, his parents yeah. basically, you know, and same as my parents. I'm not from Taiwan actually, too, but it's just like all these little small islands, man. If you find out that like your family background is from the same island, you're just like, oh shit, you, you know, you know what I mean? That's like an extra yeah, kind of yeah, you feel yeah. close to them, you, you know what I mean? So, but anyways, man, yeah, so yeah. I kind of want to get for back sure. into <clears throat> um, DJing, man, because like for me, I started off DJing in uh, college too. For me, I always in high school, I wanted to DJ. I remember my first time, like, really, really, <clears throat> and this is so, like, 90s of me, man. Like, I was really into metal, and then just on the radio, there was, like, Linkin Park, and then there's DJ yeah, Joe Hahn inside, <clears throat> inside uh, their group. And that was, like, the first time that I'd ever seen, like, an Asian guy that represented kind of, like, the style of Asian I of the brand that I was. You know, they were into hip-hop. They're into rock music. They like to kind of mm -hmm. DJ. So it just opened up this whole, like, holy crap, there's an Asian guy here and they're being played on the radio, you know? So that was my first right. introduction to being to DJing. But then in college, I mean, hip hop was just so big. Uh, I was in a fraternity. So I, I started DJing my fraternity parties and things like that. Right. But it really wasn't until the same time as you, uh, around 2000, I would say like five or something like that, that I really got into uh, the house techno and trance scene actually <clears throat> mainly right. trance i want to talk to you about the different uh different genres okay uh teach yeah. and richard this is kind of like a real technical thing it all sounds <laughs> like electronic dance music at the end of the day right but there's this style of uh electronic music right. called trance basically that would i would say well, that i've heard it I, uh, i've heard it oh yeah richard richard <laughs> richard likes <laughs> a bunch of different yeah i've also do i listen to everything <laughs> i don't just i do too i'll yeah. listen to anything yeah you know if it's done well and whoever's right. doing it is actually enjoying themselves. Yeah, I'm all for it. Totally, man. I saw some throat singing, some throat singing, uh, just a random YouTube thing that came up. And you ever <laughs> seen throat singing? Oh yeah, the Mongolian what? throat singing. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, man. something like that. Man. It looks like it's gonna tear oh. their little oh, voice yeah, yeah. boxes up, man. It just doesn't look like they're enjoying themselves. Like. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, it it looks like it hurts, but. 
Um, if you I'm sorry, getting off the subject. So back, back. <laughs> no, Roku, we got we got to talk about throat sting for a second because this is so fucking funny, man. Those that those Mongolian throat singers, man. They actually, st- <clears throat> yeah, they actually, uh, you know, they they do kind of. It kind of sounds like this. It goes, uh, different. Like that's how they're singing, uh, you know, right? right? Oh no, whistle at the same time too. It'll be like a. <laughs> Where, hey, where's this music from? I don't think I've ever. Well, yeah, check this that. out. Oh, uh, you got to check it out, Richard. No, it's it caught me. I, I was like two videos in before I was like, okay, I got I got shit I got to do. You know what I mean? Because well, it's one of those things where like, what the? Oh wow! Oh, the cool thing yeah, is, man. So I, you know, this guy. I appreciate for all types of music, if, especially if they look like they're enjoying themselves, and that's why this caught me. You know, caught my attention because it just. It just didn't look like they were enjoying themselves, you know. Just like it was painful, but I'm like, <laughs> but I, I guarantee you, they have some very strong um, core muscles. I guarantee <laughs> there's some very strong. Yeah, kind of like that emo, like those guys that real deep, like emo music, like <laughs> you know, like real hardcore. <laughs> Those, uh, yeah, those totally, hey, hold on real quick i'm gonna bring this up real quick i don't know if you guys can hear it because i think it's worth it to uh to, to, to just show the audience just so quick. that people don't think i'm fucking nuts i mean thank <laughs> you oh, yeah see it yeah demo that's good let's see mongolian okay one second guys let's pull it up actually i think what i saw was turkish Turkish throat singing, but there it is. There it is. Altai throat singing, right? There. That's the kid right below, like the next one. See that kid <laughs> with the it. bandana on? That's the yeah. kid that I saw uh, singing. Anyways, man, this is a, a different video, but holy shit, man. Anyways, I wanted to see, say, Teach, that this guy from the Mongolia throat singing, he actually started up a, a group uh, called The Who, the HU, actually, with a rock yeah, band. Okay. And then, uh, and then they they started a new genre of like metal throat singing Mongolian music, man. So go check that out if you guys get the chance, man. Uh, totally. Oh, I will. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I, I'm just told, after I'm what told. I see. I've got. I'm very curious about that. Yeah, man. So something else. So, Joe, I wanted to kind of talk to you guys. Uh, talk to you about trance, man. Back in the day, I mean, um, I think in the earlier generations, they just kind of called all electronic music techno for a long time right it was just like uh and, and yeah. i would say in the 80s they would just say oh you like do you like techno or do you like rap you, you know it's kind of like one of those things but then i would think right. that the 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 mid uh or late 90s basically this one genre of i i, I would say that it's mainly dutch you, you know and uh, a little bit uh, english of electronic music kind of started taking over called trance man you, you know and um right. it, it became <clears throat> Basically, uh, if you grew up in the n- late 90s, you just called right. uh, techno music trance at that period of time. So it really kind of like depends on what genre, what era um, that you grew up in. But one of the other things that we have in common, man, is that we used to party at this one legendary club called Circus, man. And right. if, you're, if you're from, if you're in this uh, kind of like scene in L.A., man, and uh, you partied kind of in the 90s and the, and the 2000s, man, you went to this club. It was like a gay club on regular days, but then on Saturday nights, they had the coolest like parties and had all these European DJs come in. And it was just like this. Where was it at? What, what street was it on? Do you remember? It's on uh, the Santa Monica Boulevard by uh, Santa Monica and Cherokee. 
I oh my god, yes. like West I actually Hollywood. went there once. Yeah. And to bring in this the, to bring in the street art connection, yeah. Circle actually did a mural um yeah. on on the right. on that area right there. Yep. So that, yep. It was right next to a club also called Arena, basically. So though yes. circus and arena were kind of like these two really big yep. um electronic clubs that yeah, most of the time it was just an apartment complex now. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's an apartment complex now. Over in Santa Monica. That's Blower. crazy. Yeah, man. I mean, so 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 it, what's crazy is I've seen so many people who are kind of in the scene throwing their own parties or their artists, and then I always connect with them on this particular venue because there was just something special about that place. <clears throat> it was like an underground rave, but it was at a actual uh, a venue. It wasn't a normal yeah, warehouse yeah, yeah. party, right, yeah. Ja? Yep, yep, yep. For sure. No, I mean, dude, that venue was huge. I mean, it was uh, two floors. I mean, you have five different rooms. Each room felt like its own nightclub and whatnot. And that's definitely the foundation of kind of like the whole trance explosion here in LA. And I remember other parties happening in the mid, uh, in the mid 2000s. That's really when like the rave scene started to pick up and you had a lot of different groups, man, just doing parties. And I think that time, even the regulations within the city, these were raves happening, you know, at Exposition Park on a weekly basis, um, you know, and now you can't even really have that as sound ordinance. So it's kind of interesting in terms of how much more popular this music became, but it's, it's, it's now harder to, you know, do these shows. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting paradox and it's, you know, unfortunate that a club like Circus Disco, you know, it closed down and it's now no longer even, you know, there you, you drive by there, it's an apartment or a, you know, <laughs> complex. So, you know, and especially with the pandemic that we're going through right now, more venues are hurting. Yeah. And even prior to this, you know, um, regular club goers and party goers, they always want something different. So when you keep going back to the same venue, same place, um, you know, each week and knowing what to expect, you know, that kind of had its own draw. So. Hopefully venues will be able to kind of survive after this. Um, a big part of it, I think, is the alcohol law. I think once they change it to 4 a.m., you know, that may kind of change the scenarios a bit and kind of work towards the favors of, of these venues or else, you know, after 2 a.m., they all come over to the underground. And that's really where it is. Even the, even the industry people that work in the scene, you know, they're done and off work as well and they want to keep going and partying, so. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If people don't know, we have a lot of people listening from around the world. LA has a very weird law. You have to stop your alcohol at 2 a.m. I think New York, right, like, yeah. uh, I think it's like four or something. And then venues close at 6 a.m., you know? So, I mean, right. <clears throat> basically the standard, like Josh just, just said, basically, you get out of the regular club and then you go to the after party club. Since everything doesn't serve alcohol, then basically you got to go to the warehouse parties where they're, uh, kind of serving alcohol illegally, or uh, you know, people are partying on other clubs, or people are partying. Hey, like, on have you ever been in any like uh, rave that got raided or anything where the police? Um, had some, um, you know, we've had some visits and whatnot, but for the most part, you know, like the worst that we've ever gotten is uh, just to shut it down and you know, move uh -huh. your down away ass. So they didn't really pack it. up anyone in the paddy wagon and ship them off to the uh, booked or anything. What was that? They didn't pack up anyone in the paddy wagon and, and ship them no. down to be booked or anything. <laughs> no, no, I got, a, I got a question for you. Um, yeah. What was your uh, your first event that you did? What was that like? 
the first event that I did, what was that like? Uh, I mean, it was pretty exciting, you know, obviously uh, being able to do your own parties because prior to that, uh, we were just club promoters. So we were, you know, helping other venues and help, helping, I guess, bigger promoters promote their shows as sub-promoters. And we did that for a while, collected a, a lot of email lists and built a community. So around 2014, that's at the end of 2014 uh, here in LA, that's when we first launched our own independent event. Um, you know, and that was very exciting uh, for us, uh, you know, being able to kind of throw on parties and work with venues. At the time, we were actually doing it uh, legally at venues. However, you know, we found out very quick after three events that it was not to the promoter's favor because the venue <laughs> has a bar guaranteed that needs to get hit. Uh, your friends all want to come in for free. So, you know, the, you're booking the DJs, they get paid, the venue gets the bar minimum, your friends have a good time and you're kind of stuck in the middle. Like, wait, what? Like, I'm down to have a good time, right? But this doesn't really work out. And we're not talking and about naturally. a dead party. Like 300, oh, 400 right. people. And it's like we're breaking even from that because you know, X, Y, Z. So mm -hmm. um, at the time there were a lot of, you know, underground parties happening and, you know, I've actually attended a few and I'm like, wow, the vibe, you know, more so than going late, it's the vibe and the energy, like the amount of people that come through, you know, our events, we have employees of SpaceX that come to our parties every week and they're saying their work is really, really stressful and they find relief on the dance floor and they're here from open to close. Hell you yeah. have, you know, doctors, lawyers, psychiatrists, um, you know, your regular party goers, everyone's kind of coming in and, you know, looking at the screen here, it would look like a normal warehouse party where you go and, you know, all of us are there because it's, it really doesn't have that divide. If you're there for the music and, the, and for the vibe, um, you know, that's, that's what really um, is about. And that's what you're really going to feel when you come in, like you're just coming, you know, like you're just coming in to hang out. And, and James have been to our parties before, so, you know. Hell yeah. <clears throat> yeah, totally, yeah. man. One of the things I love about, one of the things I love about, um, I guess, the scene is that it's constantly evolving, man. So we were talking about how trance was kind of like the king <clears throat> genre uh, in the uh, mid-2000s, let's just say, you know. Right. And just like how early on when the techno or electronic music came on in the 80s, um, you know, you know, nowadays trance is kind of like not as popular of a genre anymore. You know, you know, it's it's kind of seen as like. Uh, what about EDM? What is that? Uh, is it EDM? Yeah, EDM. Oh, so EDM is, yeah. Right. It became so. The thing is, like this thing, trance became electro, and then electro somehow warped into like this big room sound, and it just became pop at the end. And I think Dutch house eventually came in. So there was also this thing was blowing up in the mid 2000s i think it's just this you know, i remember that i remember when uh around yeah about 2010 or something like that yeah yeah there was a big explosion of like club exactly. music and, and at but the it end went of the day, all commercial yeah edm basically was a um was a genre of music basically that uh, a term that the industry really invented because they needed an area to kind of throw all this music because before For everything right so techno everything electro trans just edm and that's what it became yeah, in the yeah in the underground world i mean all these scenes are very different scenes which actually involve very different people like <clears throat> for example if you're in the drum and bass scene there's uh it's kind of like a very fast genre of music like for example our buddy fish uh who's a graffiti writer he comes from the drum and bass scene 
I'll tell you right now, there's not, although I love that genre of music, there's not so many girls that like that genre of music. So you get a bunch of <clears throat> stoner graffiti guys, basically that are, uh, you know, kind of from that genre, yeah, right? I think as long as they enjoy the music, right? I mean, I don't think you should, you know, <clears throat> like a certain music. To oh, totally. Oh, totally. Right, totally. Right. I'm just kind of explaining right. the different uh, the different scenes and the different types of people. You're totally right, right Joe. Right, you, right. you know what I mean? And uh, what I'm just saying is like it's every single... Predominantly male heavy is what you're saying. It's predominantly yeah, yeah. You know, and then while, while yeah. trance is kind of like a different genre where all these kids would dress up kind of like, we call them candy kids, basically. They would wear all these little, <clears throat> they would wear all these little uh, bracelets around their arms, you know, and then uh, dress up in kind of like a... I would say, you know, just what you imagine a candy kid would kind of look like, you know, a very kind of positive image. So all of a sudden, the the, the uh, music industry basically—that's <laughs> true. That's true. You know, yeah, it's a very—it comes from a good place, I guess. Yeah, and then so what the music industry did it was a hey, we can't really group you. You guys aren't big enough to be in one genre yourselves even though you guys kind of like are all these different types of scenes we're just going to combine you guys all together because you guys have djs and we're going to call you guys edm basically, basically. Right. that was the mainstream explosion that happened so that's why majority calls everything you know edm and that's where it came about but right now i think things are a little fizzling out or it's matured a little bit. And Is that a boomer thing, calling it VDM now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, boomer. Hey, you said it yourself. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. I mean, I mean, it's a little bit, but I would say that if you're a young kid, you might also call it EDM as well, too, because, like, you know, you're just learning from the radio, right? So, you know, a little kid might be like, oh, I like EDM, but he has no idea, kind of. It's just like rock music, you know? There's metal, there's country, there's folk, right? There's all these kind of, like, little subgenres within this big genre of rock which is guitar right, music, yeah you know i and loved i love grunge music man in the 90s i got totally into that man <laughs> nirvana like the 90s, honestly the 80s 90s is definitely a great era for music yeah uh, definitely you know all the old school jams are you know where it's at and you hear a lot of samples and inspirations you know just within all the music that we that we hear now. So the good kind of music within electronic music, we like to call them timeless. And they kind of resemble, you know, a lot of, um, as you would consider like the old school hip hop. So every genre has their own classics, timeless and sound. Within it. Yeah. Yeah. And within house and techno, there's definitely that. So that's where we're really, you know, heavy focused on and whatnot. So a lot of the commercial stuff that's out there, it's, you know, it's just the mainstream media. It's um, not going to be know, played at these parties normally. Right. Underground culture is the same for art and for music and for, you know, it, it kind of all has that same story line as well. You have a really, really big artist and you're like, oh, well, that's street artist. Like, well, that's the Tiesto or the EDM, right, of, of the art world. And then, you, you know, there's all this that's happening. So totally. we're definitely a community that uh, stands behind, you know, more of the uh, grassroots, if you will of artists and promoters and creatives and whatnot. So yeah. you know, there's definitely a correlation, even though it's, you know, art and music, I definitely think it has a you know, direct correlation. I mean, the place where we do our music, it's where some of the best graffitis, uh, best street art that we've seen. And um, yeah, right. it's, it's really cool for us to kind of intertwine in this way. So can we ask when was the, uh, the last event you did? What, what was, uh, when was oh, that? Oh man, we did it. Uh, so, uh, no, March 6th, Friday, 
So it was literally oh. the week right before the shutdown. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we had a hard time getting water that day because everybody was already panicking, so. Oh, yeah, crazy, man. So let me ask oh, you. Oh, right, yeah, there, there, things were like, you couldn't get any water anywhere. No toilet water, paper, no bro. toilet paper. <laughs> right, oh, man. Right. So, and, and a lot of people, people drink a lot of water at these events. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, They're a little dehydrated. Now, let me ask you, John, like <laughs> before back in the day, <clears throat> did you go to like warehouse parties where they're playing trance music? Not warehouse parties playing trance. You know, I think I got my trance fix uh, either at Avalon or um, at Circus. I, I definitely started off more as a club kid. Okay. And then eventually, once I got tired of it, you know, found the underground i was like all right this is this is where it's at yeah. so. so so i mean being from the trance area where did you, when did you i mean like we said the the genre of trance kind of started going down right and um yeah. uh, when did you kind of start going towards more techno and were you spinning this kind of stuff or uh you know what when you started 6 a.m was it already kind of techno and house focused or no no actually when, when we first started or when I first started 6 a.m., it was a media site that covers all electronic music, like mm. EDM, if you will, right? So we were not, um, um, I guess, so strict in that sense. But, you know, more and more so EDM became a little bit more ridiculous. So then it was somewhere in 2010, 2011, right? When, uh, you know, Rich mentioned earlier, you know, how he remembered it being it very big at the time. And that's really where I was like, all right, things are starting to go really commercial that's not really the direction we want to go and what's interesting is there were a lot of artists that were in the middle so those that were underground I'm one of they them. were getting a little bit of the mainstream and they got taste of it and they went to the mainstream side and you know you call them sellouts or whatever you want to call it look i say that they did the best thing for them at the time whatever yeah. it is but you know a lot of them are regretting that decision now and it's easier because once you kind of go in that direction, it's harder to come back in. Be like, all right, cool guys, you know, I'm I'm now back in the underground. It's like, ah, uh, it doesn't <laughs> quite work that way. It's like once you go out into that, you know, sphere, it's like you can't. So, for us, since we started out a little bit wider, we were able to kind of do reverse and pigeonhole back. Like, all right, we got a, mm. a taste of everything, and you know, we know what we like, and this is the sound, and it kind of grew and evolved. I mean, I was 22 when I, you know, yeah, let's do 6 a.m. And now, you know, as everything <laughs> evolved, the brand has to represent also what I like and what I'm, you know, pursuing as well as an artist, as a DJ, um, if you will. So it's uh, it was kind of like a backward journey around 2010, 2011. Um, yeah. And then ever since then, just haven't really looked back. Um, yeah. Been- yeah, see, that's when the mainstream started blowing up, right? The uh- mainstream yeah love music underground all that stuff started going uh, commercial yeah it's so crazy yeah. man that basically is I, I just feel like I, I how how old are you just for the audience i'm 37 by the way so uh um yeah. you're 36 so we're you basically said like, earlier don't you remember me saying fuck you yeah <laughs> i do i do i just wanted to confirm let remind the audience right. just want to go back into that huh <laughs> but basically what I, it's cool that you know what i i feel like i've basically partying the same scene as you and you know the scene is actually right. so big that I, it's so awesome that we actually meet today you, you know what i mean because we pr- we're probably like dancing side by side like at some party sometime yeah, whether it's like a huge massive uh festival electronic daisy carnival or something like that or an underground rave man and what's interesting is that you you feel the same way how like the the industry really kind of i feel like sold out 
itself in a sense you know you can't find those kind of like vibes a lot of times uh that you can find back in the day man and that's why i think people go to the underground they want to find that secret party where nobody knows about it except for a few elite people. There's no drunk assholes, basically. You're free to do drugs there. You're, you're kind of- There's always one drunk asshole. Drunk asshole, <laughs> still, yeah. drunk asshole still hang around time to time, but it's definitely more controlled and stuff. But, you know, I think you're right. It just feels like a timeless capsule once you're in it, you know? And I think people definitely feel the energy and vibe. And you really, truly, you cannot get that- I, at a festival or at a club, you get different experiences, right? And I well, think I can tell that's all. That, that's also a draw for uh, the graffiti scene. You know, they they don't want to go to a, a mainstream party. You know, where everybody and anybody can get in. You know, they they want to go somewhere where as as least amount of assholes as possible. You know, are going to be. Yeah. And you know, that's usually one of these uh, these parties. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to ask you, man, what have you guys been doing during the pandemic since obviously you, you, you guys aren't throwing any parties, right? I mean, uh, you know, how much has it affected the music industry for you, man? Oh, my. So that's pretty much 90% of our business. Uh, you know, I also do a music festival uh, in Guam. So it's been running eight or it was supposed to be eight years. So there's a whole music festival series that happens back home and everything's just been shut down. I mean, we were doing three, four events and actually, you know, doing even festival style size events in LA, we were planning a big one. And then the festival, you know, in Guam. So that was just like the whole plan just completely changed. And now we're, believe it or not, selling t-shirts and hoodies and coffees and mugs. I mean, we have a pretty um, dedicated audience and community that's been supporting us. So, you know, uh, a year ago, we decided to go into streetwear apparel. Uh, no mm, one really- you know, house and techno streetwear in that space. So we decided to kind of, you know, um, put our foot in, in the door in that sense and create not only, you know, a new revenue stream, but to also uh, leverage our brand exposure and brand presence. I mean, we're doing these parties. Uh, we sell merchandise and apparel, you know, it's just- it Do you guys do your screen printing too and all that we stuff? Don't, we don't, we work with a, uh, a very good vendor and right. down in Brea, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Where? Down in Brea? The Habra area? The Habra Brea? Yeah. That's where, that's where James yeah. is. That's oh, awesome. right? Yeah, yeah. I just want to pull up some of the designs, man. I, I always I always thought your guys' designs are like super sleek, man. Like this is just a simple... Oh, sweet. <clears throat> you know, like in house plus techno. You know, at the end of the day, like those are the genres like I, I'm kind of obsessed with now, dude. So uh go, go ahead and check out their website guys uh they have some really dope ass streetwear man and who designs this stuff man uh we work with various designers that one we have an in-house guy that does a really really good job for us uh on top of that um you know various artists around the world you know uh, we find them on instagram and whatnot and we like the inspiration and we like that direction so it's it's a work in progress along the way and you know just keeping up with the trends in terms of uh, streetwear and fashion, right? So, hell yeah. Right. And let me ask you, man. So, when do you think this is gonna be back? Like, when can I go to my next rave, man? Because, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I, know, I wish. I mean, I wish I knew the answer to that. We're a big advocate on staying home, right? Yeah. Uh, we're a huge advocate on that. So, um, I don't know when. And even if it's allowed back, we're not gonna be the first. Like, I don't foresee us to be the first ones back 
jumping the gun right away, kind of playing it, you know, smartly uh, in terms of being just being responsible. Right? And, and I think a lot of people's pushbacks like, well, you guys are doing illegal parties. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> the, risk is on, the risk is just on me and my crew. Right. If people get sick, the risk is not just on me. It's on everyone else. So if we get busted, you know, these parties, I'd rather have it just be me. Right. Than everyone else uh, getting the virus. So that's the whole pushback. It's weird. Like, like I said, like you start to see people's true colors come out during this situation. And it's just, uh, you know, the need to party is not as as great as you know staying alive yes that's you know that's exactly there's a a party somewhere where is it hollywood hills or somewhere just recently there's so many happening came and broke it was a house party or something well here they can uh they can they're gonna turn the 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 water and power off yeah right yeah Yeah, my friends uh smart you know i I think it's really smart i I don't know how um understanding (laughs) i mean I don't know. Totally, man. If, if it's you know, causing I, spreading, then yeah, I'm all for that. Then I think it's really interesting, actually. I, I find I found it very surprising that the electronic dance community <clears throat> basically was there being able to hold it hold it together, man. I mean, everybody's kind of like, I mean, not hold together financially, but basically uh, in terms of like not really going out and partying. Everybody's the main yeah. message from the community is, hey guys, let's stay home. I believe that there's such like a kind of like a there's this term in the electronic dance world called plur basically peace love unity respect it's kind of right. like the uh it's kind of like a you know pillars of hip-hop it's one of those kind of like um philosophies i guess you know and <clears throat> what's interesting to me is that everybody in the rave scene loves to party everybody wants it to come back for sure you know and you know the the electronic dance community has been able to use different ways like live streaming the dj and just innovation right. instead of just like breaking the law and we're just going to spread coronavirus basically you know so i've been really impressed man, with- that's 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 going to be huge man i think live streaming is like taking off right now man so it's, it depends i mean if you're like a really big brand yes but like for the mid to smaller players it's uh it's definitely been a challenge and uh yeah so you know it's uh it's it's kind of uh happening in terms of you know whoever has the most viewerships, you know, the biggest brands and the biggest reaches and stuff. So it's happening definitely for that um, aspect of things. For the underground, people are still not even accepting that it's, you know, to become this. And a lot of people refuse to accept, you know, this to be a norm, um, (laughs) even though there's still a lot happening. I feel that, man. Yeah. yeah, So it's okay. You still have a little hope. Yeah, I mean, it at the end feel, of the day, it does feel kind of awkward. I gotta tell you, man. Yeah, sure. You know, and I think the biggest thing is I don't know when it's gonna end, right? But I think history repeats itself. So the Spanish flu that happened in 1918, right? It ended 1919, 1920. I mean, at right. this point, it's you know, it's being patient. There's nothing no one else can do. No one's opinions is gonna change anything right now. So, you know. But let me let me tell you something, Jai. You may have. <clears throat> I love that. You may not, guys, might not know though. So. 1968 there was a pandemic called the hong kong flu right <clears throat> and then oh, yeah. uh, actually a hundred thousand americans died and if you uh if people if people remember 1968 uh august they threw woodstock right and then uh basically so i looked it up and i said why is there a pandemic during uh, this period of time and they that between the first and the second wave uh 
basically Woodstock happened, you, you know? So it's really interesting. And then I actually asked my 70 year old friend who lived through the pandemic, <clears throat> the Hong Kong flu, I said, hey, what happened like during that period of time? Like, you know, why do they still have Woodstock? Like what <clears throat> during a pandemic? And this guy's not a, uh, he wasn't a uh, hippie by any means, you know? So this is what he told me. He said, let me tell you in the 1970s, First of all, they barely talked about the Hong Kong flu. That's why nobody knows about it, you know? And then second of all, right. he said that the mainstream just looked at the hippies like these were a bunch of sex-crazed maniacs and uh, nobody even paid attention to them. And then uh, nobody even talked about the Hong Kong flu ending either. <clears throat> so these are kind of like historical when you look back on it. Um, it's just really interesting how times have changed. What were you going to say, Teach? Um, I, uh, my wife was telling me the reason why um, that was so different than this was they, they had already found the vaccine a lot quicker. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Right. Hong Kong. We'll have to look into that, man. But like I said, I just think like times have really, really changed in terms of uh, how, how they manage things because communication is so much better now. Now, uh, you, you know, you can let everybody know to wear masks faster. I, I'm sure in 19... That I think is a big factor right there. The fact that back then there was no internet. You know what I mean? The access to information um, was minimal. <laughs> you had three channels on TV. You know what I mean? Maybe four if you had a public access or something like that. And, you know, uh, during that time, you know, I remember my dad having this conversation with him about, you know, the president and administration and everything. And he goes, you know, you used to never know who the president was. <laughs> you, you'd see him every once in a while, you know, a State of Union address or something like that. Um, yeah, right. But you didn't really know who the guy was, you right. know. And so nowadays we hear right. every fucking thought. And now you open right. up Twitter yeah. and it's all there, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? Up until like the mid '90s, I mean, information, even though it was available, I mean, prior to the internet going mainstream, it was you know it was hard to get like up to minute information on stuff that was going on. Oh yeah. Especially well, from Washington. Everything you know? was filtered and censored. Yeah. Well, well bringing it back to the cool thing about the rave scene in the nineties though, you can go on these forums actually and find just like these crazy warehouse parties. There used to be this website called rave leaks, right? And then I would, everybody would have their, have their uh, handle and then everybody would talk shit too. You, you know what I mean? Talk about different DJs and things like that. And then you can find like, okay, call this number at this time and then find out the address to go to this party, you know? So, I mean, like, you're right, Richard. The 90s was just such a different time for information. And even nowadays, I mean, those parties pretty much are, I'll tell you right now, they kind of become more popular these days with 6 a.m. kind of throwing them. Uh, other groups like Incognito, I'm, and we're throwing them too, you know, underground raves and things like that. But uh, for a little while, they were pretty much gone because they, it, uh, the mainstream just popularized it to the point that, uh, you know, you, yeah. can, you can basically only find... Yeah, like, uh, like was it David Guetta when he exploded on the scene? <laughs> yeah. 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 That went, uh, yeah. I think that's what it was. <laughs> him and a few others, but yeah, majority him. Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's right. good observation. I, sure. I, I would I say we right. can blame uh Tiesto, David Guetta. Pitbull. Pitbull started Pitbull. Yep. Pitbull just took so what Pitbull did was he took classic house beats that were like, you know, they were quite big. It's like he just dropped a million dollars for the licensing, you know, rights and literally spit all over it and became his music and 
Yeah, there's this anyway. one song that, that it's like kind of like a famous. It goes. Yeah, yeah, that's. And then, well, I mean that that's kind of like the the industry, right? You know, he so Pitbull sampled it. You know, I think he like you know said, but like I said, it's just. What I, what I do appreciate about it is that that's a classic house track and then now it's kind of exposing it to a whole genre of people that listen to yeah. hip hop that never uh, got to hear that music. But the problem is that they never knew it was a house track. They just think like Pitbull probably wrote it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. For sure, yeah, right. for sure. You know, uh, the one good thing about the mainstream is that, you know, because this whole EDM kind of, you know, exploded and became really big, you know, it actually also trickle down into the underground like now our you know our parties and these warehouse parties now back then it used to be you know two three hundred four hundred now we've seen upwards to you know a thousand plus we've done them ourselves and you know a lot of times it's because the scene has matured and those that you know to get introduced as the mainstream genre you know those that are really follow with the music the art if you will of electronic music they want more and the more they keep digging they they keep discovering, they keep staying in it, you know, sooner or later, they'll be knocking at our door. So, you know, that's the one good thing about all of this. So, you know, a lot of hate from the underground to the mainstream, but if we look at the whole ecosystem, it's like the underground really can't survive without all these people trickling in. It's not like I wake up one day, I'm like, I'm into underground techno. Like I started from trance and all that electro and the clubs, all that. So, well, you know, I still love the music, but there was something. Five different. years in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? So, yeah, you know, that's kind of where I want to at least leave the whole mainstream and underground discussion at, at that. Oh, yeah. kind of balance it out, right? <laughs> I love that, yeah. man. And dude, you talking about how that's kind of like the 6 a.m. kind of vision, man. Like, I, I love that, man. And you, you explaining it kind of means so much more man so dude I, it's been pretty much an hour man and that time blew yeah. by man and really i just want <clears throat> to thank you so much for kind of coming on and uh uh we we always talk about so much street art and i love it but um it's nice to, i wanted to kind of give the audience a little taste of my world um sometimes you know this is kind of a street arc you know what i mean yeah. like totally, yeah. you have street people it's in the street it's near the street it is an art so you know, and, technically, I think uh, it is, too. Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, like, you know, throwing an underground art show, I mean, y you know, it's the same idea as throwing an underground rave, man. I mean, you know, you know, it's it's the same people, the same type of, like, uh, a vibe. You, it's you know? easier to get people to show up to that rave than an underground art show. <laughs> Not quite exactly either. I mean, I like to disagree. Once it rains in L.A., too. <laughs> once it rains in L.A., Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it like multiple DJs that play on these raves? or? Yeah, I mean, they usually uh, we don't try to stack them up because we like to give our headliners like four hours since they're mm -hmm. flying from Europe. So it's really taking them through a journey, you know, of, uh, of music. So we usually book maybe three at most, two if we're trying to keep it. And there are times that where the headlining DJ plays all night. From nice. Yeah. <clears throat> now let me ask you, have you ever been to – um, there's some raves sometimes going on at art galleries, right? That's kind of like a new thing going on, right? Teach, I think you showed me a link to like, uh, was it what, what gallery, garage gallery or something like that? They have a yeah. venue. That's kind of yeah. cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Axis with uh, with garage gallery. 
Um, they're doing like a virtual thing. I think it's like every uh, Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday night or something like that. They used um, to throw events there too, though, right? Basically before COVID. Yeah. Yep. Just I've been that. there before, right? I've I've been there before. How is it? I haven't been there yet. Is it is it pretty yeah, cool? I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a cool space. Mm -hmm. I just say it's uh, yeah. I think the the garage door opens up and then yeah, it goes in. There's a yeah. yeah. Awesome, I've been there before a long time ago when it first uh, opened up over there. Yeah, no kidding. That's yeah, dude, man. So I mean, I was just thinking. Great spot like, too. It is. You know, these since we're always talking about these kind of cultures combining, man. Um, dude, I would love to kind of bring that concept more popular, man. You know, because we have the artists that that want to kind of showcase their art in like an artistic way and not so much like hey here's the gallery we're gonna throw the rave here you know if we can, can kind of combine right. the visual space and the audio space yeah, like and have peaceful music right just so like i don't want you guys to think that all electronic music is like a bang and stuff there's actually a lot of music there's music and electronic music that actually fits in all settings right so i'm not uh, that much of a boomer <laughs> <laughs> just thinking out loud no because i can't stand that shit i mean I, yeah so just thinking out loud, right? I mean, yeah. you know, have nice uh, background music or atmospheric music, um, you know, and integrate that into an art show as well. The future of events, before we go back into the full events, it's going to be a lot of social distance kind of things. And, you know, I think art galleries and art shows kind of provides that. And look, a DJ, if you tell them they have a gig and an art gallery and they have to play this music, they will show up, you know, there'll be plenty of that. And, you know, I think finding a nice tasteful DJ that's a well-known within our scene and kind of integrate the two together can be a nice, you know, mix and mingle. And there are a lot of Hell people yeah. that. Um, hey, the last, the last two art shows I went to was one uh, where it was a uh, hijack in uh, oh, Malibu. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, uh, and there was a DJ there. And then I went to one that Shepard Ferrier was throwing yeah. at Subliminal. And, and he put um, Boy Slim, I think, right? No, he was there. Uh, oh, Shepard, uh, yeah. he was DJing, yeah. Shepard DJs, yeah. And, yeah. I, th I think his uh, DJ yeah. name is uh, DJ Diabetic, actually, which is funny because he's uh, he's actually. Oh, really? a I didn't know that. Yeah, and, yeah and, and, so it's funny because he and MC Insulin, basically. I mean, that's the you know kind of a little bit corny, but it's funny, you, you know. So, I, like I said, man, I would love to kind of like. Uh, when we get back in the studio job, man, I want to invite you and maybe bring some of your artists that, that you're going to book, man, and kind of bring it on their uh, media circuit tour when, when they, they come in and have some parties, man, so we can let our audience know about uh, your events coming up. And uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, man. Like well. Hell yeah, man. And dude, I just want to kind of like show they got some awesome ass designs on here on there, man. You know, they have the anti techno techno club man it's kind of <laughs> oh a, nice man yeah play off the uh anti-social social club brand right. you know what i mean yeah. so uh, Dude, they got honestly, so it was supposed to be a joke and like it became this really big thing in the techno and not a joke but we were like thinking hey you know it's our little spin-off oxymoron kind of thing and like it just took off like yeah i love that because you know techno what's heads the uh, what's the website again i'm sorry what's the website well the online store is a uh, shop by 6am.com but our regular website and all our social media handle is uh, 6 a.m. group, at 6 a.m. group. The number 6 a.m. group, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, right there. Dude, right. I, I just, I, I love it, man. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I want to pick up some of these uh, T-shirts to basically give to give away to some of our audience members, man. I mean, let me we'll, know, man. Let me know we'll make it happen. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, like I said, let's just, I, I think during this period of time of COVID, man, it's a time for us to reevaluate and kind of, 
reinvent ourselves too and come back out stronger, you know, and I can definitely see that. for the future. Yeah. yeah. I definitely see that 6 a.m. that you guys are innovating. I mean, you know, just rolling with the punches and, and you know, rolling with the times, man. So uh, I'm so happy to talk to you today, man. And um, hey, right so let me ask you, if there's an artist that's out there that's, you know, wants to play your shows or something like that, like, do you guys, uh, uh, you know, take demos and things like that um, normally? That's not really how, just so in terms of how like uh, gigs work uh, regarding to our process and stuff, I mean, it's, it's really more of a community thing, right? So in order, nice. like, we have to come and get to know you in that sense. I mean, there's so many people that knock up our inbox, right? But we have friends and friends of friends who come support shows. They're good artists themselves. Like they really are, you know, and they're aspiring as well. And we definitely want to give them those opportunities. And, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, that's only going to continue to pay it forward in that regards. It's too, you know, I've done it before on the MySpace days where I hit up like, Hey, I'm DJ so-and-so. And it's just like, yeah, that's cool. Like I'm sure the mixes are good. Right. But there's a deeper connection and level that happens in terms of landing gigs and getting gigs because it's uh, you know, it's yeah, there really is a process to it. I love that, man. Approach it as well. So. I think that's really. We important love real for, information, man. I think that's really yeah. important for people who are aspiring artists of any kind, man. I think at the end of the day, people think it's just like somebody gives you a chance. I think at the what you really need to think is like, hey, you need to go join the community. You, you know, whether it's right. LA Street Art Gallery, whether it's the 6 a.m. group party scene, you, you know, you need to go join the community and then introduce yourself and then introduce your art and then slowly but surely yeah. you'll find supporters fans and people that right. will want to give you opportunity you know and yeah, you gotta, you gotta uh, put yourself out there for sure man you know yeah i know for sure just some of the most interesting uh you know interactions are people that i've seen at our parties for like you know i've seen them five six times in a row and they always come and just say a, a quick hello and just one time you know i i caught him during break and uh you know i started asking like, hey do you dj and write music like it turned out me asking him he's like hey actually i do and he sent me his music and they were great and it was amazing and you know and i'm like why didn't you ever let me know he's like well you guys get bombarded all the time <laughs> and that approach if anything had its reverse psychology because now i'm like wait you're actually really good you know you should be playing our parties and you know we should support your music so you know that story i continuously tell you know eager artists as well is that there's always a right approach and this this kid i call him a kid because he's 23 right now mm -hmm he knew about, you know, just being real humble and grounded, um, you know, the right off the bat, whereas some people would approach it very differently, kind of, you know, and I've definitely have done, you know, both sides of things. And let me tell you, doing it the, the right way, the more calm way and let things happen subtle. naturally. Subtle. Mm. He's kind of just, you know, fall not entitled, not like, Hey, you know what? I should, right. you should listen to this and I should be loud here, you know, cause I'm pretty fucking yeah. good. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you, I met, I met teacher and James by just reaching out to them. And uh, I was listening to the show and I liked what they were doing. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to give him a call and reach out to him on Facebook or something. And, uh, and he, he asked me to come in and help out. And I said, awesome. fantastic, man. So that's how I met. That's how I met these guys. You know, I'm sure the approach was very nice. I'm yeah. sure they're respectful. And it was just kind of, you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You that's know, what I mean, you got a nail in the head right there, man. It's all yeah. about the, the right. Uh, approach the right attitude and right. being humble and wanting to be part of the community instead of just right. wanting to take the the fame or or the money you know that's Man, the difference right there you know if someone's coming for the money or the fame if 
they just want to get in and out really quickly yep. and they don't care about the community, you know? So man, there you I, go. I, I, I love that, man. I think like we really, I think we really covered some uh, uh, really important advice kind of like for aspiring artists, man. And I want to, okay, kind of last thing I want to ask you, Ja. Um, now, like, do you, okay, do you, if people wanted to start their own promotion group, okay, like what kind of advice could you give them? You already mentioned earlier, promote for other people, but I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, cause it's not, it's something that I feel like a lot of people aspire to do, but nobody is, there's not a lot of successful people, man. So I want to kind of like give you the props basically, you know, and also just like, you know, what kind of advice can you give for aspiring promoters? Right. I mean, it's really what I tell all aspiring creatives is that you have to stick to it. Uh, it doesn't happen over it doesn't happen overnight and those that happen overnight you know it doesn't sustain we all see it across all creative art music art fashion i mean it doesn't matter you know i think those that are doing it for you know because they enjoy it right and not because they're chasing something um you know through an imaginary timeline which a lot of my peers i mean i've been doing it for 12 14 years right and I'm, and I always tell people that, you know, 6 a.m. never really blew up because a lot of people are like, yeah, you guys really blew up. It's like, no, we just never left. Like, we've been doing the same things and just kind of like. Consistency. Yeah. Consistency yeah. is good. I can right? tell you that. And that's, yeah. And that's really, you know, in promotion, it's especially hard because, look, your first three parties might be well, you know, might do well, but your friends are going to stop coming to your parties and it's going to be really tiring. And the moment you realize that, you know, you were actually chasing something else. Like, cause you gotta really love lugging inventory, like shit out at 6.30. The, the party ends at six. I don't go to bed till eight, nine in the morning, right? Uh, all right you gotta get uh, all your gear out, man. And you know, I'm doing yeah. exactly what I love. And on Mondays, I take the day off. I mean, I'm, in, I'm enjoying, I'm hanging out with artists and really building a community. That's kind of like my, you know, I guess what, you know, the value that I see in, in it. And it took me a while to even realize that. So not only like to put your mindset in this like long journey ahead, right? Because you're not entitled to it. Um, the only thing that's promised here is the work and the grind. So that's something that we, we preach a lot um, on as well. And yeah, man, just do good. Find your purpose and intent um, as soon as possible because everybody has passion for shit, dude. I love this, but it's like- Lots of passion out there. Right, so once <laughs> you actually start to get older and life happens, right? So let's just use a DJ, for example. It's cool to have this dream at 22. It gets a little hard at 33. And by 44, if you're not touring the world, you know, or doing what you love or find meaning behind it, it gets a little bit, you know, it, the ball becomes, you know, it, it starts to turn and life happens. And that's why people give up, you know, ultimately, because they never found purpose and intent behind it. And they were chasing something. So finding that purpose and intent behind that passion is really, really important. It took me 10 years to figure out like why i love this like and it's uncomfortable right because you're like well i love the music but i know why like and then you start to dig deeper and deeper in and you're like oh shit like okay this is why and yeah, I, no one's and and that's the point where then like no one will be able to shake you not your mom and dad not your not external forces or because there's no more imaginary timeline right you're just doing it it's, it's kind of like a japanese sushi master he has to make rice for 10 years before he moves on. He or she moves on to, you know, the next craft. Wow. It's mastery within it. So, you know, that's really, you know, a promotion company, a brand, an artist, you know, a DJ. It's all the same path that we all eventually have to take in the mindset we need to put ourselves in. 
Damn, man. I love that, man. Dropping knowledge, man. Seriously, man. That was very Good. inspiring. Mike, drop on that one, brother. That's a great one to end it on right there. Yeah, and, and at the, yeah, yeah, totally, man. At the end of the day, L.A. Street Art Gallery is basically the same exact thing, man. It's a community, and, uh, you know, it's a community of artists, yeah. man. You know, and, and we love that. And I, I, I saw that 6 a.m. basically is a strong community, too. And I think what better if we kind of combine forces when this pandemic's all over and kind of, like, put our heads together and get us out into this new world, man. So, uh, John, thank you so much for joining us today, man. I, I learned thank you guys so much. For having, you know, it's such a pleasure. And let's definitely stay in touch. Um, you know, I'll follow you guys, um, you know, on, on social media. I was just kind of scoping it out earlier as well. The really cool stuff. And thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, let's definitely see what we can uh, do to continue the conversation and, and, and potential, uh, you know, work partnership. Hell yeah, forward. man. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah. You remember, thanks so much. Yeah, I really so appreciate much. it, man. Yeah. If you ever need anything from Ellie Stewart Gallery, man, we're here for you, man. So uh, thank you thank again. You. And uh, to the audience, I love you guys. Take care and peace. All right. Later, guys. Peace. Bye.